since since last week's pod. <laughs> well, because it did take me a while to get over it. <laughs> yeah, are you over it now, or are you still laughing? I'm not sure because I actually haven't. Have I seen you? No, we <laughs> literally haven't seen it's each other apart from, thing. from a distance. It's the weirdest thing that we're at this tournament together, and we're always at tournaments together, and we are literally flying visits. Or I get a message to me, "Are you around?" And I'm like, no, or I'll send you a message like, busy. And it's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so this is probably the longest time I've sat and looked at you since the ball bag pod. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> You're seeing the resemblance. It's, it's just when you laugh. <laughs> I have a very wrinkly face if you missed last week's episode. Um, I, I recall I had to record this social media video for um, Five Live, who I'm working for here, and put it on, and, and they put it on social media. And I was looking at it, and I was like, "That is such a ball bag face." <laughs> it, was, it was particularly ball baggy that 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 exact one. As I haven't seen you, how's your tournament going? It's been great. I tell you what, you were you were abusing me last time for my Brit Watch update. Well, ha! Come Conta. on then, let's do it. Conta's doing well. She's doing, she's doing amazing. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's been, yeah, it's, it's been just, I mean, just blew my mind. Literally today, I mean, she was just world class. Today was her quarterfinal. She's now through to the semifinal and she beat Stevens. It, I mean, there's, it, to be honest, I don't, I always don't, I mean, I've been talking about it all day. Just all day I've been saying how brilliant Conta is. Because we are, let's, so this is, do we say actually what time it is? No lie about the time. Okay, so it's not after 12. <laughs> it's not that late. We are once again in my hotel lobby. We once again have the same night porter that thinks, what on earth are they doing? And keeps us giving us strange looks mm. every now and then. Yeah. Um, she she dropped one point behind serve in the second set, and that was a double fault. It's, it's it was bonkers. an incredible display of serve. Forget about everything else. Just the serving from Conta was incredible. It's the best I've ever seen her play for me. And it was after the Kuzmova match, which was third round. I was saying that her game just looked really complete and really ready to come up against much stronger tests than Kuzmova, who you know is not one of the stronger opponents that she's faced so far and then the next round she played against Vekic which was definitely a step up and her game held up really well and then Stevens is kind of a few levels up from that and her game again she just dealt with it incredibly easily she it's it's better than when she was in the top five before it's way better it's you're so confident watching her play and She's so disciplined with everything. Before, she was so high risk. I mean, we've talked about it before as to why she fell down the rankings like she did because it was so high risk. And if you lose your confidence, then what are you left with? A very unbalanced and risky game. And when you're low on confidence, it's very difficult to make the right decisions. And if it's high risk, those decisions tend to be quite catastrophic. So it's just been... It's been sensational to watch. I mean, I've watched every point of, of her matches and it's just it's just blown me away. Each match she's got better and better. I mean, the drop shots coming in have been outstanding. Even though, if you think back to Fed Cup, <laughs> there were times in her matches where I was thinking, "Stop drop shotting!" <laughs> a few too many <laughs> coming in. But you know what? You, you've got to try. The only way you can learn how to make decisions is to get things wrong a lot. And that's what she's been doing through the year. And she's been getting it right an awful lot more than she's been getting it wrong. So before this year she hadn't won a match at Roland Garros and I know she's had 
a good season on clay this year, a couple of finals on the clay, including that big one in Rome. Why does it suddenly all fall into place? Is it she's always known how to do it? It was lacking confidence. Is it was working with Dmitry Zavialov, the new coach, and things are settling in? Why is it suddenly now that it looks like she's been playing on clay like this for years? Is, is it a confidence thing? Well, I think her game is different. Like, I really I feel like it's in, different. In what way is, do you think the game is different? So she used to basically stand on the baseline relentlessly and be completely stubborn and not want to budge from the baseline. And that's what made it so high risk because if she was ever so slightly off, she'd just miss the ball by a, quite a way. It got quite wild and reckless. And when she was having her great runs and winning, winning Miami and getting to the semis of Wimbledon, it was... It felt like she was redlining a little bit. It was just, you were just seeing somebody oozing confidence who felt like they couldn't do anything wrong. Whereas now her game has got far more discipline in it, far more balance in it. So she's added in the drop shots, which is just a new shock. Can you imagine that? In your mid-twenties, you've been number four in the world and you go, I'm going to learn a new shot. Just a completely new shot. (laughs) She'd barely ever hit it before and not really to the level that she's doing now. I mean, it's an amazing achievement for her to learn that in such a short space of time. But one thing I'm particularly liking is that she's still holding her her baseline well and she's not retreating, but she, she is sometimes respecting when that shot is really good. And she did it against Stevens today, particularly in the first couple of games when Stevens was getting good depth. She would recognise it, respect it, move back, give herself a bit of time, play a good quality ball, see that she'd got good depth and then be right back up on the baseline looking to try and get on the front foot again. Whereas before, and when I say before, kind of 2017... And a bit before that, she was just looking to get on the front foot on everything, just regardless, like no real thought. It was just kind of like, I want to be aggressive. I want to attack. And she did it so, so well. And there are lots of players that do that. But now she's making individual decisions per shot. So each ball that's coming to her, she's figuring out what is the best thing that she can do with that ball? What is her best possible shot? Does she need to do something a little bit different? And for me, that's the most tiring part of tennis is making individual decisions because most players will do the whole kind of, oh, coach, you want me to be aggressive? Okay. And then just stand right up the court, hit everything down the line at a million miles an hour. And the coach is going, yeah, I'm not sure that's what I asked you to do, but okay. And then if you... If a coach says to a player, okay, we need to up the consistency a little bit, bring the errors down, then you get players that will then drop back three metres, run around at the back of the court and just push the ball in. They'll say, I didn't think I said that either. And players tend to operate in extremes because it's really difficult to find that middle balance. But that, for me, has been the most impressive thing is taking it shot by shot. It's interesting talking about the the difference and the decision-making because I was speaking today which is Tuesday I still have to think what day we're on to Daniela Hansikova who I'm working with on on the live at Roland Garros TV show in the evening and we were speaking after this win and she was talking about Dmitry Zavialov who is so experienced as a coach but she said if she was still playing she would have him as her coach because she said the big thing is he he trusts in the play and he makes you make the decisions she said there are some coaches you come off court and they said we won and then she'd be like, so what exactly did you do during that win? And said, so Zavulov is very much, it's all about you, making you independent so that when you're out there on court, 
you know what you're doing and you make the decisions. He says some coaches make you so reliant on them that you get out on court and you're lost and you need them and you don't know what to do. She said the wonderful thing about him, and he's worked on the men's tour, the women's tour, is that it's it's about you and he listens to you. And he said, right, tell me what you think. You have a conversation, you have a plan, but when you go out there, you can make decisions. Your mind is clear because it's about you and you know what you're doing. And she said that, as a coach, he thinks he's absolutely fantastic. And it seems, he seems quite a shy character. Mm. And it seems it's just a good fit between, and her boyfriend. Um, we saw some nice footage of them having a little embrace. Jackson. Sort of backstage, as it were, afterwards. Travels with her a lot of the time now. And look, how many times do we say, it? I don't think it matters what profession you're in, but if you're happy off the court or out of work <laughs> then largely that will translate into what you're doing at work because you're settled and it seems she's in a pretty good place and she's she's working her way back up some astonishing results here. but drop shot talk about I, I, I love drop shots which I think I've told you about many times yeah I hate them remember we did this I, we? Yes. Ooh, I hate a drop shot I absolutely love a drop shot Markendra Marketa Vondrusheva the opponent of Johanna Conta uh, you're listening to this they've probably already played by now Wow, can she execute a drop shot? I've mm. never seen anything like it in my life. The disguise, the cut under the ball, the audacity, the time she plays them. I think that's my favourite drop shot. It's amazing, isn't it? She just comes out of nowhere. And it's, it's so amazing. quick. It, it's so quick. It's so confident. She plays with such commitment. It's, it's amazing. But just back to Dmitry Zavilov. Like you were saying, in terms of the decision-making and the whole making the player autonomous and helping them with belief and all that sort of stuff, he has absolutely nailed it. But what he does is his actions completely follow what he's saying because a lot of coaches will say that. The majority of coaches will say, yes, you know, you can do this and that and whatever. And they don't really follow through um, with the way that they... Um, with the way that they operate and their behaviours it doesn't back it up so it's really tough for players to buy into whereas so for example he doesn't do any on-court coaching hasn't done since they started has never done it he didn't do it with Bashinsky when he worked with her because his philosophy is about you being autonomous taking charge empowering the player and of course what better way to empower a player than to sit in the stands no matter what's happened even if you've lost a set of six love to be sitting there being like you got this you don't need me you're fine you, you got it and whereas if a player if a coach was running on saying, right, what you need to do is, doesn't quite sell the whole kind of, you know, you can make the decisions. Now, you could have a coach come on and say, or just ask questions and say, what do you think you need to do? And how are you feeling? And you do see some coaches like that. I think that also fits into that sort of philosophy. But sometimes you see coaches coming on and all they do is talk about themselves. <laughs> they come on court and they say, okay, I didn't tell you to do this what I talked about and what I want to see and what I want, you know, and it just totally changes the whole vibe. And you, you can see that, like, I want to see you be more aggressive or, you know, what we, what, what I was telling you before is X, Y, or Z and that sort of thing. And it just, it never, ever works very well at all. Would you refuse to come on court if you're a coach? Uh, we, it's not refusing. She's not asking him to no, come but on if coach, you, if, but it's part of his if you philosophy. Yeah, but with that, that's what I'm saying. If you were coaching someone, when you sat down with them to sort of work out if you want to be a team, would you be kind of coach? I think you might be that said, I'm not going to come on for on-court coaching. You're on your own. Well, definitely when I've worked with juniors, I've been very much kind of like, I'm not going to be that crutch through a match. And, you know, I'm not going to be that person that they're looking at every single time. Like, I'm not going to give them the eye contact that they're 
they're craving because whatever it is they're needing is not a real thing. I'm not going to tell them anything. I'm just here. I've always viewed it, as I say, working with the younger players particularly, I've always communicated with them and told them that, you know, I'm just coming to watch them. I'm not here to support you or to do it. I'm just coming to watch the match because you're trying to become a better tennis player and you've asked me to help you. And the best way for me to figure that out is to watch you play, see what you do well, see what you do wrong, and then we can maybe move in, in the right direction. But as in, especially when they're like 13 years old, they're, they're playing matches because they want to play. So if you want to play, go play. It's fine. It's fine. If, if, if you don't really just want to play by yourself, then we've got an issue. Surely. And with the older players, I think with on-court coaching, when I was a player, I didn't co- call my coach on all the time. I, I did, did, a, did a few times. on-court coaching? In yeah, yeah. Game. I caught the, the, the beginning of it. Yeah, I had a couple of years. But I, I remember once I lost a very tight set 7-5. I didn't call my coach on because I just thought, no, I think I know what I'm doing. It was really close. Did they want to, to be caught? Afterwards, did they say, why didn't you call me on? Well, that's that's uh, that potentially puts your coach in the category of somebody who doesn't want you to be in charge and autonomous. Uh, I had a when that did happen, one of my coaches just asked me, but it was purely in, inquisitive, just saying, oh, just out of interest, why didn't you call me on? Because you had lost the first set, and I said, well, because I thought I I kind of had it. I I knew I knew what I needed to do differently. I knew what the crunch moments were. And I knew that if I did that well, then I could win the match. And it was, I didn't need any sort of information. I just kind of sorted. And they were like, great, perfect. That's exactly what I thought as well. So that was fine. But yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's to really, like, it's to really genuinely believe that your player can do it, especially when your player's not playing particularly well or they're struggling. I to have that belief. The <sighs> microphones on the microphones on coaches and they come off on court coaching. That's just added some pressure because not only have they got to go and speak to their charge and try and change the match for them if that's a situation they're in, but it's mic'd up and it's largely going around the world. So it's not just X they're speaking, it's speaking to everybody. And they know that if they've done a little bit of commentary as well, that we're in the commentary box going, did they really just say that? I can't believe they said that. Do you think that's actually going to make a difference? I mean, it's actually quite a lot of pressure on coaches when they go down for a chat. Oh, hugely. And I think, I'm going to be honest here, I think it's a small part as to why Dimitri doesn't want to do it. Like you said, he's a very shy it's guy. very shy man. He didn't necessarily revel in talking to the press the other day, which is what he did. He was very fascinating with what he was saying, but he's not one for being in front of the camera or I think thriving in that sort of situation. So I think there's definitely a little part of him that is kind of, well, I'll just, I'll make it my thing that I don't do any on-court coaching and then that makes life a little bit easier. Now you've become a member of the Press Pack. <laughs> Have you spotted me? <laughs> uh, I've heard that you've been taking out residence in some press conferences. Well, I've never been in a press conference that wasn't my own until this week. It's so. weird, I never really thought that I mean I just I don't know why I assumed you might have been but when you told that when you said that to me I was actually quite surprised but I guess there's no reason why you'd have been in anyone's press conference other than your own well I've never been part of the press I've been media in terms of been commentating but you don't really get access to uh, press conferences and things or if you do I didn't really know about it or think about it but um, this week because we've kind of got a British focus and I'm working with the BBC um, it's yeah I kind of just have the access did you ask a question 
No, but I mean, I know Eleanor Preston really well. Oh, we know Eleanor Preston, sorry. She's my friend. Back off. <laughs> no, we know Eleanor really well. You've changed, who... by the way. I'm just going to put it out there. You've changed. We know Eleanor really well, and she was showing me around the, uh, the, the press bit because she works with the, in media relations that, that sort of thing I don't know if I've said the right what, word so she's a good friend do you know what she does <laughs> that sort of thing I know exactly what Eleanor, she does Eleanor I apologise that she doesn't know your job title if you're listening sorry Eleanor <laughs> but, um, but it was great but I was really fascinated because I didn't know anything it turned out I didn't know anything and I sent her a message afterwards being like thanks for showing me around I was such a noob I didn't know what was going on but I didn't even know it was 15 minutes for a press conference because whenever I did mine I just went in and went out I didn't realise it was being timed or anything like that um, just kind of yeah, figuring out how it went. So I first I went and sat in Belinda Benchich's press conference. Lovely, but it was it was all in in Swiss, so I didn't understand much at all. But it was really interesting. I was I was having a great time. I was really fascinated by it. And then the next, uh, then later on, or the next day, I went in in into Joe's because I've never been, as I say, never been in anything. So Did I sat at the back, didn't ask a question. Happened to be in Dominic Team's press conference. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't manage to get there. But I was. I have found it really interesting and it genuinely was quite emotional when I was first kind of sat at the back of the room. I don't mean emotional, like I was going to cry or anything, but just as in I felt some sort of strange connection because I've only ever been on the other side and it's totally different from being on the other side of the other side, if you know what I mean. Wait, I've only been on one side and it's totally different. Oh, wow. It's really late. <laughs> yeah. Soon we're going to have to tell people what time this is it's to been explain a long, some of this. <laughs> it's been a long grand slam, everybody. Um, no, but I've only been on one side. Are you of going the back to there? Yes. Let me get out of this sentence. Okay, do it. Come on, let's try. I've only been on one side, but now I'm on the other side. It's totally different. Please let me finish the sentence. It's totally different. Okay, that's, that's the end of the sentence. That's, I'm not, not going to say anymore. Fine. Whatever. Done. But what... You said you felt emotion being on this side, not that side. In terms of... What, what were the emotions? Well, when I was... When I was the player, I was behind the desk and it was really quite scary. Did you find the press quite hostile? Even if they didn't mean to be, did... Well, yeah, okay, so for example, my first ever press conference, I was, what, 17? So I go in at Wimbledon, there's this massive room, there's a desk, and there's a big gap between the seats. So it's, it's kind of like you're a professor. Were in you in the main class. press conference room yeah. at Wimbledon? That's a big room. It's a big room, it's I know, big room. Right? And it was quite full. There were lots of people there. People like, I don't know, never met any of these people before. I hadn't really done any press before. And it's not like you get introduced to anyone. You don't shake hands with anybody. You just get told to sit down. So you sit there and then it's first question. And then the question just comes. So Naomi, at four all, and I kind of, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who they write for or whether they write at all. Or Would I that have helped? Because you know, sometimes you see in press conferences, they'll be like, hello, it's X from the wherever. Would that as a player help if, because the moderator will say, oh, it's X or Y and, largely know who's going to ask the question but no serious question would it help <laughs> look it was if I'm mad but, but would it help if if the person actually said their name and who they wrote for so my name is Joe Bloggs and I wrote for Horse and Hound why on earth would be in your press conference I don't know but would that kind of thing help so you'd know the type of publication I mean it might not but 
Um, possibly it might help, but it was just more kind of an introduction because if you have a conversation with somebody, you introduce yourself at the beginning or at least somebody introduces you for them. I mean, I was introduced as I sat down. It was, this is Naomi Cavaday. Thanks very much. And then you just kind of got this bunch of people quizzing you on... And then what they're quizzing you on is it, it can actually get really personal. Like they're quizzing you on your personal life and your hobbies and how you feel about things. Like what do you think about equal prize money? What do you stand for? Who are you? What do you represent? And, uh, and you know, and I got one really bizarre question because they always throw in something kind of off the wall. I remember I was playing in, this was in the second week of Wimbledon, I was playing in juniors and I was playing my quarterfinal against Ursula Radvanska. And somebody said to me, so I see that you're a big fan of The Little Mermaid. Sorry? I mean, no idea. This is my very first Wimbledon. I've got no idea how they got this information. I but mean, were you? It's obviously an amazing film. <laughs> it's the best Disney. It's, it's, not like when I'm, it's not like I go and sit and watch it on a Saturday evening, but as in when I was a child, when I was six, <laughs> I loved it. Had you said it somewhere? Is it on one of those, you know, sometimes you no, read the bios I hadn't said anything things. because I hadn't been anywhere. I hadn't been anyone. I hadn't been a person of interest. Well, someone must have known that you like The Little Mermaid. Well, anyway. From somewhere. So they said, we hear you like The Little Mermaid. And I said, okay. And then they, they said to me, did I'm you just say- wondering, you're playing Ursula tomorrow. Did you, are you going to imagine her as the evil queen witch called Ursula in The Little Mermaid? That's just weird. Because you're 17, you're not seven. Yeah, I know. You're, you're, you're an adult and you're playing at Wimbledon. That's just... that's that's a, the, the thing about press conferences, there will be people who have pieces to write or they want... I don't know so, what piece they were writing. <laughs> they needed quotes like about that. Disney feature. <laughs> but in, in terms of the... You do sometimes get random questions asked because if you are writing an article on, I don't know, whatever, and you just want to get quotes from all the top players, I think it's sometimes you'll find you know, there's match, match, match questions. Then someone asks something completely random, like, I don't know, what's your favourite colour? Or do you like dogs? And it's because they're writing some piece about dogs and sports stars but I guess I understand it from the point of view from that press pattern's point of view this is their only opportunity to be sitting in front of Roger Federer or Naomi Cavaday so they they've got to ask the question and get the answer but I imagine you get all sorts well that was definitely one of the weirder ones and I, I think I... Does it get weirder than asking you about the Little Mermaid? No that was yeah, that was, that, that was that possibly was quite weird but as I say, it was just a bizarre experience. It was a very intimidating experience. I wouldn't say I was scared or terrified, but it was just very intimidating. These are all successful people. They're all kind of pretty smart, I guess, and switched on. Most of them write for a living. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Um, and they clearly know a lot about tennis. And it turned out they knew more about me than my own mother did. <laughs> That's so that weird. The little mermaid. But that is so it, weird. It's, so it's kind of this odd thing because you've got strangers delving into your life and often they've done research, as, as we've just found out. <laughs> it's so strange. I can imagine the look you might have given this person as well. <laughs> but it's just, so, it's just so strange. But then would you, get to, would you get to know them because you would see... I'm not talking about Grand Slams because then you get everybody and everybody else's friend and someone's granny that turns up at Grand Slams and you get mm. all sorts. But... At the tournaments throughout the year, would there be familiar faces? Maybe as a player, people you would get to trust or have a relationship with in the sense of you could talk to this person and you'd keep seeing them. Oh, for sure. Of course, you get used to the the British press. It it tends to be this, particularly the main people. At Wimbledon, it is different. 
especially if there's no international football on because some of the <laughs> some of the tabloids tended to just chuck some football pundits up to Wimbledon for <laughs> the weekend and some of the questions you were thinking uh, I don't think you know anything about tennis but okay interesting <laughs> so that can be definitely challenging as well of course you get to know them but the very first time as I say, there was no explanation, there's no no media training, and not even media training in the sense that you might think of it, like, you know, people or players get drilled, kind of, this is how you talk, like politicians' media training. Is not there like media that. training now for young players? No. Do you oh, think well, actually, actually, I lie, be. because our friend, our friend, Eleanor Preston, was telling me the other day that she, she's doing a lot with uh, Tennis Europe. Have you remembered what she does now? <laughs> she's doing a lot of stuff <laughs> she's working very hard is Eleanor no but um, she does uh, a lot of uh, she gives a lot of support to the players with, with media stuff and she's doing some bits and bobs with the under 14s doing a really good job I with did, it I um, did a few years ago I did some media training at Chelsea Football Club with the um, with the young guys mm. Because they said, look, could you come in and talk to them what they can expect from the press because I don't think they really understand what they might face and it could be negative and they might be asked questions like you like the Little Mermaid as a, as a child because you can look on the internet and do some research and, and find some bits and pieces and so I put them in a situation where I was sitting across them like I'm sitting across from you there'd be a camera and the lights so put it in a situation when it was a bit like being a mastermind the sort of focus was on them but then I also made sure that all their teammates were listening just to add another kind of layer of, yeah. of pressure. And you'd ask them sort of questions. How would you react to this? How would you react to that? And then you'd play it back and, and they'd all have a listen and you'd talk to them about situations of they could take this and what if this became a headline or what if they did that? And it was really interesting to see the reaction. Some were really savvy from the get-go. And I'm talking 16, 17-year-olds and they would know what to do. Others were sort of talking about, I don't know, singing love songs in the shower and, you know, and, and his teammates were like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, I had an argument with my girlfriend and I sort of cried and I sang this love song in the shower. And so all his teammates start laughing. And I'm kind of thinking, it, it's fine for you here, but what if you are, I don't know, playing for England and someone gets that quote and that comes out? And just, just little things of teaching. If he still wants to say it, fine, but at least think about it and always remember that, that not to be afraid that you're in control, that they want to speak to you. I think that was yeah. the key thing, that, that we are coming to speak to them so they can take control of the city. They don't need to be worried or scared because the person speaking to them needs to speak to them and wants to speak to them. But it was, yeah, yeah, some of them got terrified. Some of them were literally shaking. Others thought it was a little bit cool and they'd be the ones that would stumble. The ones like, yeah, this is easy. Ask me anything. But it was, it's interesting. But I, I, do, think, I do think it's important, especially in this day and age of, of social media and all these things that I don't understand, like Snapchat and things like that that people get on and do stuff and things happen and headlines and people take things out of context. I think, it, I think, it's, I think it's really important. And, and for the other side of things, just a young 17-year-old being put in a massive press conference room with a load of people in front of them, I think I would be terrified. Yeah, it's just you don't know what it's about. You don't really get what they're looking for as what their job is. I think, and I think it's something that a lot of players have struggled with. I think Joe struggled with it, with the British press a little bit. Even last year here at French Open, when she was kind of having a bit of a moan at them for to keep pointing out that the fact that she had lost first round here each year, and then she referred to it again this year, saying, "Oh, well, you know, I get that you guys work on facts, but I work more kind of with feelings." And that sort of thing. And you could just see how maybe at the time she didn't really understand 
where they were coming from. I mean, of course they have to work with facts. They're journalists. <laughs> they can't work on feelings. It's not possible. But obviously as a player, you have to put yourself in the right mindset. You kind of have to force yourself. So now I understand being on that other side. Can you... Did you have an urge during the Belinda Bencic press conference to stand up and ask a question, even though they, it was in Swiss? Well, kind of, but, you know, English questions come first. I was told this by Eleanor. It's very strict. Yeah. English questions first, and then when all the English questions are done, then it's Swiss. And I did uh, hear com- a couple of people having a conversation about it before the press conference started because they accidentally asked a French question in the, the Swiss section and all this sort of stuff, and it was, it's apparently it's really not done. So I, uh, I I kept stum. I could have asked Joe a question, but I felt I didn't really want to waste the other journalist's time because I'm not writing a piece. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need quotes for anything. I was just kind of interested to, to hear what she had to say. But, you know, no, I, I left them to it. But it was very interesting. Other bits and pieces of highlights for me. Dominic Teams tweener against Gail Monfils. It's very good. How good was that? It was quite extraordinary, wasn't it? Have you seen anything like that? It was amazing. It was, I, I know Sitsipas Favrinka match was, to keep that level for over five hours, was astonishing. Mm. Astonishing. But Dominic Team's tweener, having got forward for that drop shot, kept his balance, gone back. I mean, it was... I was unbelievable. Yeah, it was the shot of the match, and it didn't come from Monfils. <laughs> it was a Monfils-style shot, though, yes. wasn't it? I mean, he looked around as if to say, okay. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah. No, it was something else, wasn't it? Because it was not like your typical tweener shot, where it was loopy and high, and you've got time. Because with the tweener, when it goes over your head, so you've got to change your grip. <laughs> I'm talking like I've hit successful tweeners in my life. <laughs> this did, is you, fun. did you do a good tweener? <laughs> not in a match. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, why would I do so no that? drop shots, no tweeners. <laughs> yeah, I know, just forehands and backhands. Okay, lovely. No, no, fine. No volleys, unless it was accidental. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I might dabble in a drive volley here and there. Okay, lovely. Yeah, but you think I'm joking. <laughs> this is the thing. Is that people think I'm joking. when I'm gen- You can ask my coaches or people that I played with. Ask Anne next time you see her. Did okay. Cav ever hit a drop shot? She'll laugh in your face. I <laughs> say so she might have tried, but you can never tell because it probably landed on a baseline. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, but the tweener, oh, yes, you have to basically, you've got to let it bounce. You change your grip so you're in the right sort of grip for the tweener. Uh, and then you need to, when it bounces, you let it go up. And this is what you normally see from like Federer and Monfils and the people who do the tweeners. And then you have to step over the top of the ball. You have to contact the ball as you're right on, on top of it. You can't hit the ball in front of you. So you obviously have to... So you're facing the back fence. The ball's going to be in front of you more towards the back fence. You have to wait until it slows up and holds up just enough after the bounce so you can essentially step over the top of the ball and then hit the tweener. Team had no time to do any of those things. Because no, he just charged up to <laughs> no, there for no, a drop no. shot. Yeah. Kept his balance, not fall into it, and got back again to the middle of the court. Bonkers. Bonkers. And it wasn't even a high shot from Monfils. It was quite low. I don't know how he managed to get over the top of it. None of it made any sense to me. I had a slice of Rafa Nadal's 33rd birthday cake. Oh. How was it? He, it was Did it choc- taste like that of a champion? very chocolatey. It was presented to him um, during the day with these big fireworks on it. Uh, we were lucky enough to have some uh, given to us to try. It was very nice, but at the same time, I nearly fell off my 
fell off my stool live on air. <laughs> what? <'Cause> How? <laughs> Why? Because that, that know, doesn't <laughs> link in any way. <laughs> it was that, very chocolatey, it, so I fell off my chair. <laughs> I don't think this is relevant. <laughs> Why did you nearly fall off? It wasn't because of the cake. The cake was in front. I nearly went into the cake. Ah. The cake was in front of me. And it was stalls. And you know stalls have like a little lever at the side uh-huh. to go down a bit. So the director said, could you just put your stool down a little bit? So I did it and I just little bumped down. Mm. I said, could you do it a little bit more? And I don't know what happened. Oh, no. <laughs> The stool shot down. <laughs> I shot off. Oh, where did the cake was, end up? I was managed to kind of uh, Nick McCarvel, who alongside me managed to sort of stop the cake as I shot off the chair. Uh, it, it was in rehearsals, so we hadn't we hadn't started. It wasn't live, but then Daniela and Nick thought it'd be really nice the next night live on the show to show everyone what happened with the stool and the cake. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. Oh, well, I'm glad he shared it with you. He didn't eat it all. Well, the cake? Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine. Did he eat any of it? We wouldn't have eaten any of it, would he? Just blew out the candles. Just blew out Happy the candles. Happy birthday to me, and I'll win my 12th round girls. Thank you very much. He said, thank you very much. Um, since today, we had a bit of a later start. Yeah. Because it was quarterfinal day. Yeah. So things. So I decided to go to the laundrette um, just to do a little bit of cleaning. And uh, I had a very funny story. I'm not going to name the person because it's not fair to name them. People, If people are listening to this who sort of know me and us and who I'm working with might guess who this is um (laughs) working with a colleague and so I've been to the laundrette came back all went well everything was fine that went in came out having breakfast and then a colleague of mine said oh how did you get on that laundrette I said fine he said did everything come back the same size and I said (laughs) I said yes it did um so what he'd done uh, he is a he shall not name him put his wash on got the washing done put it in there's sort of these industrial Tumble dryers. I mean, these things are sensational. Mm. Ten minutes, everything dry. Nice. I mean, it's out of this warm world. Warm and toasty. It, warm oh. and toasty, but dry. Not that warm toasty. You think it's dry, and then you cool down, it's actually still oh, done. Oh, right, yeah. Actually warm and toasty, ten minutes done. So I said, no, it's fine. I said, I said ten minutes, and he came back. said, oh, that's the reason. I said, I, I don't actually know what you're talking about. <laughs> he did his wash, put it in the tumble dryer for 48 minutes. Ooh, 48 it's minutes. It's not going to be the same size, is he, it? He's, he's now got children-sized T-shirts. <laughs> And he came out and said, he, and he said, I, I don't understand why my clothes have shrunk. And I was like, what did you do? And he said, what, 48 minutes in the tumble dryer? And I thought, you are kidding me. So now I said, well, you don't have to buy your son some presents. He's got these sort of ready-made clothes that have all been shrunk. There you go. In 48 minutes and that. He's going to have to go shopping in Paris. That's huh? incredible, isn't it? Get some more kit. I think it's sort of second week Grand Slam madness. I think people, yeah. <laughs> I think people are quite tired, a little bit don't know what's going on go to the laundry and shrink half the wardrobe it is a full-on it's a full-on couple of weeks isn't it it's it's great it's amazing and, it, and i think everybody well everybody that i know i mean loves being busy it's better that than hanging around and we might potentially be hanging around tomorrow because the weather looks pretty dire the weather looks awful doesn't it yeah do you see the, the man just turn the lights off where we were do you think i that don't was... know do you think it's like when you're at a bar and they turn the lights on and they're like okay can they we want all, you to leave can you go now music off lights on <clears throat> well, he just turned the lights off yeah, they're back on now though. I think he's just testing them. Really? Just saying hello. So you've you've I'm enjoyed sure. you've enjoyed. Oh, French it's Open. been so good. It's been such a great tournament. I've absolutely loved it. It's yeah, it's been great. And also we've been on Britwatch and Conta's been storming it. So is there anything tennis wise? Anything more tennis wise you want to talk about? Well, I was going to ask you. a question. I feel like this is like a therapy session. 
<laughs> we haven't seen each other for a week. <laughs> That's true, actually. Not it, no even weird, creepy photos from a distance either. No, no more of those. No, no. Um, I was going to ask you about. You mentioned earlier about the team press conference, the Serena and team thing. Yeah. Which uh, has been widely publicised. You don't really need to repeat what happened. I think people will know by now. I even made it onto the View in the states. <laughs> oh, well, that, I mean that, that is, is extraordinary. A, that is a piece of viewing. Core oh, crikey! It's worth uh, watching. It's on. Oh. It's on social media. Watch yeah, the gosh. View discussing I, Serena. Sort of speechless after I watched that. I think it I, will leave you. I think speechless. I watched that at the laundrette this morning. Actually, and I think I sat thinking, right, okay, that's uh, yeah. But I was going to say because the 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 argument. Well, the arguments on the view is that she is the priority player because she's Serena in that sort of environment. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, hopefully you don't. <laughs> I feel like no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the listeners oh, now. Say, no, I, I know you the don't. End of the podcast. <laughs> no, I was saying. Nice uh, working with you. Whatever people listening think of it. Uh, yeah, as I say, hopefully they think it's probably not the best way to do it. Is there, I mean, you've been experiencing football for a long time. Does anything like that happen in football? Do players have that sort of priority when they are the superstars? Because, I mean, you're talking about super duper stars when it comes to football. But it's, can they just kind of, because I suppose they'd be kind of butting somebody out on their own team, wouldn't they? So maybe it wouldn't yeah, happen as much. Yeah, it's a little bit different because tennis is an individual sport, isn't it? So everybody is, is there in their own little world everyone is their own person has their own entourage whereas the football team largely at a massive tournament you get a mix zone so you'll have the press conference where the press sit politely and ask sometimes random questions um, <laughs> and you'll get the manager after a match but in terms of then you get all the media behind a rope or a barrier and it it's a mix zone and there's cameras from all over the world and the players just walk down. Normally they look down at the floor, <laughs> a little bit like a coach in a coat in the box watching tennis. Do not catch the eye of anyone. Just go straight ahead, clutching your watch, wash bag. Um, but it, it, not really. I mean, normally a club will, they'll put up the player. So normally they'll follow the story of the match. So if someone's, someone's got a hat trick or a goalkeeper saved seven penalties or something, or there is a story or there is a reason. Largely the captain, the honours will go to the captain captain to hold the pre-match press conferences so there's, there's, there's one a in system. Europe there's a little bit more of a system I'm sure it's like sometimes they're like I don't want to do it there, there might be a reason for doing it maybe they're playing a team in Europe where they've got a player used to play for them or it's someone that speaks a language or something like that there's more it's not really you wouldn't I couldn't imagine a time when a player is at a press conference and another player comes in and kind of says my turn <laughs> yes my turn <laughs> I think they'd just be like it's all yours and you create, so it, it's just very different because it, it's a team sport, whereas mm. this is individuals. And as I say, they've got entourages and you've got the ATP and the WTA. So you've got different tours and you've got different people. It was, uh, it's a great, it, yeah, it was a, it was a crazy situation. I can't believe it became, it, that it got to the view and it became that much of a thing. But that is amazing, isn't it? To be, I mean, when was a tennis issue last night? It was probably Serena before, wasn't it? It's the part, I think, that's the thing we've got to remember about Serena is the power of Serena. I mean, she is, she transcends tennis. She is a, she's a global sports star. She crosses over into, oh, I think the gentleman who turned the lights off is now watching quite a violent film. <laughs> it got violent very quickly, really didn't good. it? It's only been on about three seconds. About 18 people have died. <laughs> Wow, and they're still going. <laughs> oh, crikey. Wow. <laughs> this, uh, okay, then. Uh, it, no, it was... Um, I, I, I couldn't believe when I saw that video. But, but Serena Williams, that is Serena Williams. She is. She's, she's a big deal. And she's a global superstar. It's just... Yeah, I mean, it got out pretty quickly. 
poor old Dominic Team. I was a bit like, what on earth's going on here? But, you know, Dominic Team is in the running to win this title. Yeah. So that, you know, on the view, it's like, who are you? Well, well there are, if we think about the system, there are a couple of etiquette they're not rules but they are kind of priority things that happen in that and the team was talking about it that if you win your match you have priority because you've got another match to play in the tournament and if yeah. you lose you make way for the winner so in that situation Serena had lost team had won and that is that across the board the winner would always take priority also the person who's already started <laughs> tends to take a little priority we'll gloss over that one as if it's not that important um but yeah, I mean, there was... Uh, yeah, and also Team is the high-ranked player. Team is so the high-ranked player. He's, he's winning on all accounts. Y- yeah, he kind of is, to be fair. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a difficult it situation. It was an unfortunate situation. It was a difficult situation, yeah. um, I think, for everyone involved. But the view... <laughs> the they view didn't think it was a difficult care. situation. Really, to be wow. fair, one of the four of them said that they, she disagreed. Boy, and did the she other, get drowned out. Three of them... <sighs> Three of them were firmly on Serena's side and very happy that she had uh, been party to. It wasn't all her. We've you know we've heard about that, but had uh, been party to uh, essentially kicking Dominic Team out of his press conference. So quite quite an extraordinary I guess reaction. They're talking to an audience that probably doesn't know who Dominic Team is. Large. No, and so they said that a few times. <laughs> who is Dominic Team? Was which, it? <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous. These people watching go, well, I don't know who Dominic Team and it's just it was it was ridiculous it shouldn't have been a part of this show why is that a thing that needs that kind of airtime to that kind of audience I mean it's ridiculous I mean I, I, I couldn't even I was just stunned as you say just speechless watching it so this is probably it from us then right because well we from haven't Paris. seen each other we've seen each other twice in two weeks <laughs> I see you of, more when we're not working at the same time. I know tournament. it's weird isn't it there's been a couple of creepy photos a couple of dinners yep couple of podcasts you did that creepy film of me what What? What? don't you remember (laughs) you were filming me really creepily (laughs) yes what you're talking about Shut up. <laughs> Do you want me to play it to you? <laughs> you and your partner in crime, Nick McCarville. You oh, were yes. Sat on the, yeah, that was oh, great. Oh, now you remember the creepy filming. Shock. It wasn't creepy. Yes, it was. You described I, I, it as creepy. I, I filmed... I've, we'd seen you in the distance sitting on Philippe Chetri. Doing pretend, some research, pretending to do diligently work, pretend to do a little bit of research. Yeah, and so Nick said, "Look, I'll just stand in shot. You film as if we're taking a video, but zoom in on Naomi." But I'm so bad technically that I went to zoom. <laughs> I just zoomed in on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> you could see me kind of in the background. The background with like his forehead and you, sort of tiny in the background. But I don't. I don't think. I don't think it was creepy. <laughs> and then I sent it to you, and we just. The, okay, the creepy bit. I, okay, this is the creepy bit. The video wasn't creepy because it was basically Nick's forehead and you in the distance. The creepy bit was that when I sent it to you, we both just stared at you, <laughs> waiting for you to get the message and look at your phone. So for a good two minutes, Nick and I are just staring across Philippe Chatry to see if you read it. This is the closest I've got to you all week. That was it. Just that, a creepy video. Yeah, that, that was, yeah. So it's been a couple of dinners, a couple of podcasts. Yes, a creepy video from me, a creepy photo from you. That's basically been that, about it. <laughs> That's been it, isn't it? 
Oh, man. And now you're off for your Hindu. And now I'm off my Hindu, yeah. And then I've got some time to recover. And then it's the grass. It is the grass. It never stops. It doesn't stop. So, Will, if you survive your Hindu, or maybe you can take your pod kit with you and we'll just... If you get lost or left someone, your Hindu will just do it from there. Do you think if they ha- have enough of me because I'm so much fun <laughs> that I suddenly end up by myself phoning you saying, you want to record a pod? Please talk to me. No one will talk to me. We, I won't divulge much. I'm what do you sure. mean you're not going to divulge well, much? What am I going to talk about? The Hindu. My Hindu? Well, I, well, I don't really want to. Why not? Because I want to keep it private. Why? Can we continue this conversation later? Okay, or tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> or just not with microphones. <laughs> keep it right. bored now. I'm. I'm. The violent film has stopped for the man in the hotel. Um, They're all dead. <laughs> there can't be anyone left. You could not hire enough actors and extras that you've gone through them all. And I'm going to bed. Um, I would say see you tomorrow, but the chances are I won't, so... No. I'll text you tomorrow. I'll text you tomorrow. No creepy photos. Bye. Good night.